You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Bellying up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. I'm Chris. That's Ed. 30 minutes of sacks for fans, by fans, all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. If the concrete is rising up, that's a foundation issue. That's water. That's a thing that Family Waterproofing Solutions handles. You can check them out anytime at FamilyDry.com or give them a call at 708-330-4466. Remember, mention Socks in the Basement, you get a discount. I'm going to meatball out right away, Ed. Just going to throw out some marinara sauce and some cheese and a nice little roll and just go meatball crazy here? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. That's what that's what this August has done to me as a White Sox fan. That's what years of overeating has done to me, actually, personally. <laughs> I just meatball out on occasion. I'm very aware that the White Sox are going to the postseason, all right? Yes. I- I'm very aware that this record against teams that are over 500 in which they are lacking a little bit is is not really an accurate depiction of what the team is capable of because they never really had their full team. For the, the vast majority of the season, you didn't have your full team, you didn't have your full offense, and when I see this full offense on display, I think they can hang with anybody. I'm very aware of all those things. But I am annoyed at something that I'm I'm seeing a lack of. So this is my meatball fan moment this is something I try not to do, but I'm like I said, I'm going to meatball out here. I'm concerned about the fire in this team. I'm concerned about the fact they should be a little bit angrier. They should be uh, a little bit more intense. They seem to be taking their foot off the gas pedal. And one thing that bothered me recently is the first game against the Blue Jays, the Vlad Guerrero at bat in which Guerrero gets a hit. It leads to a Blue Jays win, and it should have gone completely differently. Let, let me ask you a question. How many times has Jose Abreu, in your mind, how many times has he been hit by a pitch this year? At least 435 times. He's been hit by a pitch 15 times already this year. Okay. I was a little overestimating, but that's what it feels like, is, a, is about a couple hundred times. there. But 15 is a lot. Yeah, and he got hit in that game. And he wasn't the only guy that got hit in that game, if I remember right. Robert got hit in that game. Yes, he did. Kinda so great, why yeah. is it when you have an open base available... And Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s up there, and you supposedly are sick of your guys getting hit constantly. Doesn't one go off his hip and just put him on base? And if you don't want to do that, why are you pitching to him to 3-0 and where Zavala can miss a sign, and then all of a sudden he gets to hit a 3-0 pitch to get the base hit that he gets that changes everything that's going on in the game? The things that led up to the, the incident where Zavala supposedly doesn't look over or doesn't see the sign or whatever the heck happened there, and LaRusso's yelling at him in the dugout. Guerrero Jr. should have gotten one off his butt because of the amount of times our guys are getting hit, and two of them in that game so far, two big players in that game so far. And if you're not going to do that, just issue the intentional walk. You know, Tony can't take off the month of August to plan for the postseason. I was told I had an old-school manager. Remember that? Yeah. I got a guy that's lost in the old-school way of playing. Well, the old-school way of playing would have been to put one off Guerrero. The old-school way of playing would have been you got an open base, fill it with the best hitter in baseball, don't pitch to him. But we're not doing that, are we? 
So, you know, that's the thing. Everybody was like, oh, I'm very afraid of Tony La Russa being old school. Well, the good parts of old school, he's not doing. And, I, you know, it, it seems to me like this team is basically like, yeah, we're going to the postseason. We're not going to worry about it till then. That, guess what? We're going to be out of the postseason very quickly if that's the, the attitude. You can't just turn this on when you get there. That's my meatball moment. Please talk me off the ledge, although I don't know if you can. Well, uh, I don't know if I can talk you off that ledge either, but I will say this. There is something to be said about, uh, uh, you know, spending these games here where there's nothing much at stake, you know, against the Blue Jays. There's nothing at stake here, right? Uh, even if you're going to meet them in the postseason, you're going to do things there's a little home bit differently. Field. There's home field in the postseason. This team sucks on the road compared to home. They're much better at home. We don't want that. Well, I, we want to put ourselves at disadvantage in every series that we get in the off. In every postseason series, we're going to put ourselves at a disadvantage by having to play more on the road than at home where we do better. No, I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that there's nothing at stake. I'm just saying that, you know, this game, this at bat against Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does not determine how you're going to treat Vlad Guerrero Jr. in a postseason matchup, okay, or, or in a matchup where you desperately need that win because you only have, you know, three real cracks at it before you're going home. If you're going to see if in a big situation you can take one of your best relievers in Kimbrell and we can hold aside for a second all the nonsense that's going on around Craig Kimbrell right now. But seeing if your relievers can go at a guy like Guerrero and actually take him in this situation is okay with me in that context only. Now, should they be a little bit more urgent in their actions? Should they be taking a lot more umbrage at Abreu getting hit and Robert getting hit? Should they be playing with a lot more, you know, for lack of a better, more artful word, should they be playing with a lot more guts and a lot more balls than they are right now? Yeah, they should be because we saw this last year. They took time off after they basically clinched the postseason and they fell apart and you can't have that this year you can't have it you can't be in a situation where you're going to have the team relax and take their foot off the gas and it's not like the indians are going to catch them or the guardians or whatever you want to call them i don't think the tigers are catching them but i do think that if they coast into the postseason you're right. That part I can't talk you off the ledge about. If they just coast backwards into the postseason and there is no intensity on this team, they will 100% fall apart in that first round. You said it perfectly. You brought up something that I haven't touched on that I, I don't know, maybe I blocked it out of my brain. But yeah, this team was red hot and then just basically took their foot off the gas after they knew they were in the postseason last year. Remember that, everybody? Ed remembers it. I, I should have remembered it. it should have been part of my initial rant. And you, you've you seen this. The team itself has a tendency to do that. They did it last year. It's one of the things that led to Ricky Renteria being fired. And now I'm wondering what we're going to do to prevent that from happening again. I Look, I understand they're going to the postseason. I'm not telling you they're not making it. I'm not telling you they're not a good team. But you can't just sit there and say, all right, we're just going to get to the end. We're just going to coast. And, and and also, it's the mixed message of one day I'm hearing from people that cover the team, people that come on this show, Tony manages every game like it's the World Series. Well, he, he no, he doesn't. No, clearly not. Because if he's, if he's trying out pitchers to see what they can do against Vlad Guerrero, 
in an at-bat, then, then no. No, he doesn't, because the right thing to do would be to put that guy on immediately. We started off this 14-game stretch in which I said 7-7. Seven and seven. You'd sit there and say we held our own, and we went through a very difficult stretch, and it began against the Yankees in Iowa. We started off that stretch going 4-2. and two. The next four games, you go 2-4. and four. Now, you might end up 7-7. Seven and seven. You could have done a lot better. That's what's disappointing. I'm, I'm upset at the fact that you had this. You were rolling along, and you took your foot off the gas. Some of that has to do with the fact Tim Anderson's not on the team. We're going to get into that here in a little bit because he clearly means everything to this team. He clearly is the, the engine that makes the car go. But I'm also questioning some of the decisions that are being made. You know, I mean, the manager can't go up there and hit the ball. But the manager, some decision that I don't get that decision with Guerrero's at bat. And it's not the only time. I'm seeing a lackadaisical team, and I'm starting to feel like I'm seeing a lackadaisical manager. Not an uninformed one, not a guy who forgot about a rule at the beginning of the year, but a guy that's not really trying to win every game. And I get it. You want to rest your guys, but you can't forget how to win either. You know, you can't forget how to win games. And that's what's got me concerned right now. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. You're not seeing very good things out of this offense with Tim Anderson not at the top of the lineup and being out. He wasn't injured enough to be put on the IL, but him being out for a couple of days, first of all, you learned one thing. Cesar Hernandez should never bat leadoff for the White Sox again. <laughs> no, no, they, no. They go, oh, they've gone 0-4 with him in the leadoff spot as a replacement for T.A., and he's 2-for-20 in those games with a nine strikeout to one walk ratio. That is not, that's not a guy who no, should be. That's not, not <laughs> that's good. Just, that's, that's just not good. No, I never want to see it again. Don't do it again. Knock it off, Tony. But how much does he really matter? And uh, you wrote an article that's on SocksInTheBasement.com right now in the mismatch socks portion of the website. And people can go check out anything that you write and the analysis that you put out there, Ed, and it's wonderful stuff, and it's actually kind of funny. You have a great way of kind of like bringing some humor and also stats all together and writing these in-depth articles. But break down for me why he matters so much. Because yeah, I got in this conversation the other day with somebody when I said what I just said out loud, that he is the engine that makes the car go for this team. And the response was, yeah, but it's not like his OPS is out of this world. And he's just the leadoff hitter. So so explain this for people who might not get it. Well, okay, so leadoff hitter and, and, and just a guy making the engine go, it, 
it's a misnomer that this guy has to have phenomenal stats, which Anderson's got a really good stat line this year. He is back to pretty close to what he was when he was competing for the batting titles the last couple of seasons as far as some of the underlying numbers. Batting average is not that high, obviously, things like that. But it's really, I think, more for the Sox kind of a trust factor or a gut feeling or something along those lines. And the stat that was really telling and the thing that kind of inspired me on it to really start thinking about what Tim Anderson means here and what he means, you know, in the larger scheme, not just to the Sox, but in the larger scheme of Major League Baseball, was a stat that was actually posted during the game that Jason Benetti and Gordon Beckham talked about, which was this really weird thing where Tim Anderson, when he scores a run, those innings, the White Sox average over two runs an inning. When he does not score a run, they are less than a run an inning by average. Now, of course, there's some sampling there that goes on where you sit there and go, yeah, but he doesn't score in the majority of the innings that have been played. So that's going to, you know, that's going to widen that factor out. But the fact is that when Anderson is in the game, when he gets on base, when he scores a run, for whatever reason, the team just follows. And that's what that stat tells me is not that Anderson's OPS is something stellar or that, you know, he's got some weird clutch factor that we're not really factoring in or that his on-base percentage is amazing for a leadoff hitter or that he's stealing critical bases or anything like that. He really is just, he's a guy that gets on and for some reason his hitting seems to be contagious. And I, I it's it's hard to put your finger on it. It's kind of in the same vein as what's going on where we're having this conversation about Tim Anderson being kind of the face of the White Sox, the heart and soul of the team, one of the faces of Major League Baseball. At least I think Major League Baseball would love to have Tim Anderson in that in that field. It's not that you can put any number on it. And that's where I think people go astray with Tim Anderson is they look at the numbers too hard. They look at his fielding metrics. They look at all that stuff. Sometimes you just have a team leader who, when they are going good, they make the other guys feel like they can go good too. And I think Jose Abreu has been that guy at points in the past for the team. I honestly think Yohan Moncada really could be a guy like that too. When Anderson gets on, he's a distraction to the pitcher. When Anderson gets on, he is a guy that takes extra bases. He is a guy that does a lot of smart things on the base path. We've seen him make some fantastic slides, take some chances, and have them win out. He is a guy that you do want up in a certain situation where the game is on the line. He's one of those guys. Him, Aloy Jimenez, is a guy we've talked about in that position. These are things that you, again, it's it's sort of the fun thing about baseball and the fun thing about sports in general where sometimes it's just not quantifiable. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out why because it's not like this team does not have other talented players. And I, Hernandez being lousy in the leadoff spot, that certainly doesn't help when you're walking up there with your second-place hitter and one out pretty much before the first pitch is thrown. You know, I don't know if it's something where the way Anderson approaches the at-bat or something that is relatable about the way he approaches his efforts at the plate would make it so that the other hitters understand and can follow along. So, you know, why could they get to Zach Britton again after he walked them off in the Field of Dreams game? Well, it's because clearly T.A. understood exactly. He said as much. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly what Britain was going to come at him with. He got it, and he tattooed it. And so something like that, if Anderson's not there and can't see it firsthand, maybe he does not have the ability to help them. Or maybe as guys are watching him make his approach to a certain pitcher, they don't see what he's doing that is successful. 
So there are things that, you know, you can't necessarily break down, but the inarguable fact is, is that the White Sox, and this bothers me, the White Sox seem to need Tim Anderson going well and in the game. Otherwise, they can't get it done, and I just don't get that. Th- that one, that's where I maybe get meatballish is, why can the rest of these guys not figure it out when T.A. is not in there. It's weird. And, and you know, here's the thing. I'm kind of curious what you think here. Uh, Robert becomes the leadoff guy on the Tuesday in the Tuesday night lineup, and I like that a lot better. I know we oh, talked yeah. last year on this show that we thought he could be a leadoff player, a leadoff hitter if it weren't for the fact that T.A. was on this team. And then Moncada slides into the two spot where Robert's been recently. And I guess that gets to the real question of, as we go down the stretch here, do you like Moncada in the two spot with protection from Abreu, or do you like Robert up there who's tearing the the cover off of the ball? What matters to you more? Because I, I feel like you always get better results from Yoan Moncada when he's sitting in the two spot. It, 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 I get I get why he's lower in the lineup because he hasn't had a great year, but I also feel like you get better results when you have him in the two spot, kind of like how you know you're getting better results from Aloy Jimenez when he doesn't have to think about hitting because he's playing the field, which is really frustrating because that means he's out in the field more. You know, there's these little ticks that you learn about these players that make it really interesting trying to figure out what the best thing is to do for them. When Anderson comes back, do you put Moncada in the two spot or Robert if you're the manager? I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't like the way Moncada's going. There are some people who sit there and say you're being too hard on him by saying that. You know, <sighs> even though he's... His OPS against left-handed pitching is below 700. He does have an OPS against righties that's almost 800 now, and he's actually he's actually been picking it up over the last couple of weeks. So some people would say you're a crazy person, Ed. He's he's finally going to get going all of a sudden. Don't don't give up on him yet. Okay, well, and, and I'm not giving up on him. All right, but here's the thing: if you want to look at the actual numbers on on Moncada, batting in the second spot this year, he has done that 60 plate appearances he has a 220 average he has a 710 ops batting third when he was batting third for a little while earlier in the season he was actually doing decently 843 294 uh batting fifth is where he has been the most effective seemingly 857 260 average more of his home runs have come either the fifth or the third spot so it could be something weird where he needs to be in an odd numbered position so maybe you try him at seventh <laughs> You know, if you believe that that's the issue. That's where we're at now. Yeah. We're trying to figure out the weird, like, here's the thing. Some of this stuff is just so anecdotal. It doesn't make any sense. What I get from what you're saying, though, is that Mancata, there's this perception that, like, put him back in the two hole. And I think you just squashed that perception by saying, well, hey, hold on a second. Two hole doesn't make the same difference that you think that it makes because of his past performances. There's just nothing to back it up that necessarily says that the two hole is where he belongs. So... Do I prefer Robert there? Yeah, I think I actually kind of do because I like that level of speed up at the top. And I almost like Moncada better, a little bit lower in the lineup because I do think that he is a run producer by nature. I mean, he's a fairly balanced player when he's at his best, but he's a run producer by nature. And having him sit there lower in the lineup behind, uh, you know, whether it's Jimenez or behind Abreu, even if you wanted to sit there and say, okay, we're going to try and spark him by putting him in the third spot and pushing Abreu back to the fourth spot, I, I'm okay with that idea even, you know, with the idea that you've just created this murderer's row, and if Yohan Moncada is kind of the weak link right now because he's scuffling just a bit or he's not what he shown he could be, 
I'm okay with giving him that protection, having him sit there and say, well, okay, well now, you know, take your chances with this guy because the league leader in RBIs, or one of the league leaders in RBIs is coming up right behind him. And after that is Aloy Jimenez, who frankly, it just lives to mess your stuff up. So, uh, you know, if you wanted to move him around, I would follow the stats and say, look, if he does well in the third position because he's well protected there, go for it and see what happens. If you want to keep him middle low end of the lineup that's okay too because i also do think that there is a guy that is coming back who very soon will be collecting a lot of at bats and who probably also does really well in that second spot and that's yasmani grandal ed cork and carry at the park is the place to be before and after white Sox games and if you're not inside the ballpark during white Sox games you can rent the whole place out for parties, or you can just sit there and watch it comfortably in their beautiful bar, indoors or outdoor seating. They also have the big windows that they open up when the beautiful weather is going on. You get the fresh breeze moving through the place. You get an incredible list of starters and sides and also the award-winning burgers from the Latino to the cork with the pork, which is their signature burger loaded with pulled pork, cheddar, coleslaw, and pickles on it, and it's only 10 bucks. You get a great price you get great food, you don't have to stand in line for it, and you're not sitting there saying, wait a minute, why does this floor of the stadium have food that I can't get, and this other floor of the stadium has food that I can get, but there aren't enough vendors, and I'm just hungry, please feed me Chicago White Sox. Forget that. Just go to the cork beforehand, you know? And then after the game, if you're hungry, go back to the cork. It's a big party before and after the game. They're located at 33rd in Princeton. Get out there now and visit them to get more details at corkandcarryatthepark.com. That is a place that I long to get back to right now, and I can't, Ed. And I'm just going to give a quick update for it because it's mind-boggling. But on the last show, I talked about how all three of the kids ended up with COVID. Yeah. And I I went through the fact that I had three doctors, a nurse technician that gave uh, all the testing to everybody, Uh, the Cook County Department of Public Health, who we spoke to twice during that week, and also the CDC website, and they all gave the same guidelines. They all told me what the science was. And the science was that within a certain amount of days, I was to take a test as a vaccinated person, and my wife was to take a test, and if we didn't test positive, we were in the clear. And then, well after the time frame, my wife ended up with COVID. And, and now here's the other crazy thing after she gets this breakthrough infection that they said was impossible. They said it was impossible, Ed. They gave me a date. They said, as long as she's fine by here, she's fine. Tested her, fine. Three days later, COVID. Nobody can explain to me why, right? But now here's the next thing. Then they tell me that even though I've been living in a house for well over a week, I think I'm on like day nine with this in my house, right? And I'm vaccinated and I have no symptoms. My clock goes back to zero again. I have to wait a couple days and take a test to prove that somehow COVID hasn't snuck in yet. So COVID now supposedly like just tries every day to get in and sometimes the vaccine works and sometimes the vaccine doesn't work. At this point, I've just given up. I'm Now I'm just, I'm resigned to the fact that no matter what I do here, I'm just going to get it. So until that's over and until I have, I mean, like I'm back on my original timeline for some reason. I don't know why I was out all weekend. I was told by the, by the, by the department of public health that I was safe. I was told by the, you're good. And it turns out, nope, nope. Now I'm back inside. Nobody can explain this to me, my friend. Nobody can explain it to me in any way. I, at this point, 
I, I, I don't know who to trust anymore. I'm just going to live in my house for the rest of my life. So you're going to be a hermit, which isn't a bad plan. Forever. I'm just going to sit around and yell about how the White Sox didn't plunk Vlad Guerrero Jr. I'm going to become a meatball in a basement who just screams about things that drive me nuts about the White Sox, and I have no, no human interaction. That's it. The world has broken me. The world has broken me at this point. Okay? When, you, when I followed all the science and the science wasn't real, now the world has broken me. <laughs> the only thing I know is that the vaccine at least made everything really, really mild. But as far as like when you can catch it and how you can catch it, what the timelines are, none of it was real, well, at least in our in our situation here in this house. So now at this point, I've just given up. I'm just going to sit around and yell at the White Sox in August. It, 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 when, while people tell me these games don't matter, even though they, they're for home field, okay, while people tell me that it doesn't matter what decisions are being made on the, on the diamond by the manager, even though we're doing the same thing that we were doing last year when we knew we were going to make it into the playoffs. And that is not playing as well as we should be. And we can, we're constantly dealing with injuries. Like at this point, I just, I just throw it up. Now I'm going to do what my mother always says. I'm just giving it to the Lord. I'm I'm done. I'm just, that's what she always tells me. She goes, Christopher, give it to God. Well, that's it. I got nothing else at this point. I don't know when I'll be cleared to walk out of my house again. I don't know when Tony La is going to start making decisions that remind me that he's an actual old school manager. I don't know when this team is going to catch fire again and prove to everybody that they're good again. I don't know. At this point, no clue whatsoever. I'm I'm, I'm upside down, topsy-turvy. The only thing I know, Ed, is I'm sick of looking at Danny Mendick in a White Sox uniform. I don't want to see Danny Mendick on my team anymore. Like, I know he's got to be there. I know we don't have a lot of options for guys that can play middle infield, but I'm so sick of watching him play. I think at the end of the year, Danny, who seems like a nice guy, he does a little videos after games and he dances and all that other stuff like that. Danny hopefully will catch on with another team. Like maybe he'll find room on a rebuilding team like the Pittsburgh Pirates for the next couple of years because the White Sox need to upgrade their backups because injuries happen and he is just a hole in your lineup. And even if he, after I record this, goes out on Tuesday night and goes four for four with four home runs. It's an anomaly. He's still a hole in the lineup, but I'm, t- I'm tired of looking at him. That's, that's where I'm at right now. So just to recap for everybody who, who may not have been able to follow all of that, <laughs> COVID is like a spam caller where it keeps calling you and calling you and calling you until you're right. finally like, maybe it is important and you actually answer. That's how it gets in. Maybe I should re-up the warranty on my car. Like that, That's what it's like. Yeah, something like that. And then uh, Chris is going to become a hermit, which will have the benefit to you, the listener, as him having more time to rant and rave and less care about human interaction, which means he's only going to get angrier. Yeah, and I'll be drunker because I've got a bar down here. So, yeah, drunker and angrier. You're going to save a phenomenal amount of money on pants because you will never need them again. I'm not wearing them now. Yeah, that's. I would like to remind listeners that I'm not actually at the bar with Chris because of the COVID protocol. Yeah, exactly, because we don't know. We don't know we'll ever get to sit with each other ever again. And I could be wearing pants or not wearing pants, and you have no idea either, my friend. <laughs> and finally, being locked up in the basement for all time's sake and for all the rest of his days, Chris will have plenty of time to learn the art of voodoo and to make sure that Danny Mendick does not do well when he is inevitably on the Pittsburgh Pirates. No, no, I want him to have a wonderful career with the Pittsburgh Pirates. What he does right now will be good enough to be a backup on the Pirates. It's not good enough to be on my team. It's not good enough to be on the 26-man roster. So wait, he's good enough to be a backup on the worst team in baseball. Yeah, that's where he's at right now. That's his talent level, okay? Again, probably a really nice guy. I've never met him. I'm just sick of watching him. It, it, Tim Anderson being injured and Larry Garcia not being available because he was injured. I've had all the Danny Mendick I can take. 
I, I don't have any more room for any more Danny Mendick in my life. All right. Like, you know, I mean, I, I used to wax poetic about Danny Mendick when he came up from the minor leagues. I remember this. I would, I would sit there and I would talk about how Danny Mendick walks up. He keeps that extra button open. He did that before Aloy. Danny Mendick was walking around with the button open, showing off the chest for the ladies back when he first came up. He had the mustache. He was he was rocking the, the you know rocking the cookie duster. Yeah, it was like ah, it's Danny Mendick. I like his style. You know, he may have some promise, but at this point in my baseball life, I've had enough Danny Mendick. Danny Mendick is, like I said, he's not a guy that's even on your team right now if you don't have all the injuries. And in, and in reality, I don't know if Leary Garcia is on the team next year. I think there's upgrades to be made. We're not going to, we, we don't need to get into that on this show because we still have a season to finish here. We still have a postseason to get to. We have the whole offseason to figure out who the backup middle infielders are. Right, but when it comes to Danny Mendick, I've, I've had enough of him. I'm just like, oh, like, I, like it. Every time he comes up, I just am like, what, I, I, I guess I'm going to check and see what else is on TV. Like, I don't expect anything to happen. Once they get to Mendick in the, in the order, no matter who's on base, you're flipping, right? Like, you're checking other channels. You just subconsciously, you're doing it. You may flip away and be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I wonder, I wonder if we scored and you're going to go back or you might look at White Sox Twitter. But, like, you instinctively go, well, that's it. Like, right? Yeah, that's over. Yeah. So to recap on, on all of this ranting. COVID is like one of those farts that you lay where you walk out of the room and you come back and it's still there somehow. Right. And nobody can explain it because no matter how many, no matter how many so-called experts uh, seem to believe how this whole thing works, they don't know anything. They don't know anything at this point, I've decided. And, And that's also true of farts. The Mythbusters even tried. Chris is going to become a pantsless ranting fool in the, his basement because he doesn't trust anybody in, in the world anymore because they couldn't figure this out. I'm already there. And he's had enough Danny Mendick in his life, so if you want to cheer Chris up after this whole ordeal, send a life-size cutout of Danny Mendick, signed oh. preferably, shirtless preferably, to <laughs> Chris Lanuti, care of Socks in the Basement, Evergreen Park, Illinois. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.